Hello and welcome to the Avatons Podcast. My name is Amy and this is my monthly moment to expose the real and raw truth about birth through chatting with mamas about their birth stories, displaying the wide variety of potentials out there. This month's birth story is with Abby and she is just such an epic chick. Something that I really like about Abby is that she is always running her own race. She'll get education from places, she'll get wise words of wisdom from others. However, she will always make her own perception, take her own word and her own gut feeling over anybody else's and she will run her own race, not making herself fit into a stereotype, not setting an, into an expectation that other people expect of her, but only for following her own guidance, her own intuition, and her own expectation. And I just freaking love that. And we really talk about how she breaks that down throughout her birth. And I honestly think it is a way of life for not only birth, but everything else in life to do as well that we can all really learn from. Now, if you enjoy the episode, I would love for you to follow us and to leave a five-star written review. I really get such a kick out of reading your reviews about the podcast. It's so nice to know that people out there are listening and learning from it and it is doing some good. So I would really love to hear it. Now let's get into the episode. Thank you so much for joining me on the Appleton's Family Podcast, Abs. No worries. Thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure. So we are here to talk about your birth story today. You mm-hmm. had Billy. How old is Billy now? She's nine months and five days. Awesome. Yeah. So nine months and five days ago, where were you? <laughs> Tell us the story of how you got there. Um, so, oh yeah, so the day she was born. <laughs> um so basically, Billy was born on the 12th of November. Cool. Yeah. And she we she was induced. Yeah. Um, so it was actually just about a little bit after this time of the day. Um, she came at like 6.30 at night. Okay. Um, yeah, after a long day of interesting things happening yes um so yeah do you want me to go a bit more yeah. into that we'll start at pregnancy when you first found out you were pregnant how were you traveling then was it planned was it not um so it was not planned <laughs> it's actually really interesting because um before I got pregnant I was um I had a few stomach issues and I was getting a lot of blood tests and different things um with my doctor and we couldn't really figure out what the problem was and um one of the things I had was very low um ferritone mm-hmm. which is your iron stores and when I I went to go get um an infusion and the way that I became pregnant I believe is partly because of the timing of that infusion um, so yeah, I was just a little, being a little bit careless um, because I'd never had a pregnancy scare or anything like that. Yeah. Um, six months prior, I'd taken myself off the pill because I just wanted to have as natural of a body as possible. Yeah. Um, without any extra things, I was sort of sick of controlling my period and yeah. just having this synthetic thing in my body. Yeah. I knew it wasn't good for me. Um, and yeah, so it's just a combination of being a little bit um, careless because I'd never had a pregnancy scare, so I just assumed that you know it'd be fine yeah. and um, didn't really think about it. And then a combination of that um, iron infusion, yeah, um, because with the levels that I had, I think it would have been basically I've been told it would have been basically impossible to fall pregnant on the levels that I did have. So um, that iron infusion just yeah, boosted my iron levels and got your lining nice and strong. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, so basically that happened. So and then four days after that infusion, I went to Bali. Yes. Um, so this was in March last year, and I was in Bali, just living my best life, having a great time for a few days, and then. While we were there, COVID hit. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. you would have been very interrupted. Yeah, exactly. And so um, COVID hit. So we we 
scurried to just like get on the quickest flight back home mm. and um then on our last night in bali there was an earthquake it's like oh, what is going on and then anyway we came <laughs> the world's home. ending <laughs> we came home mum and dad had stocked up our car full of food and left it at the airport because by this time we oh. were not allowed to see anybody left our kids like in the tire of the car yeah and um so we got home we drove home we were in home isolation for two weeks yeah during this time our business closed um, yeah so as you know we've got a Pilates studio and um, our business closed so while we were in isolation we were also closing our business with the help of our manager Lauren and so that was a very stressful time because obviously it was something that nobody had seen or experienced before like nobody yeah. thought this was going to happen before we went to Bali everyone was like oh they're just over exaggerating it's fine like it's yeah. not going to be a thing um and so you know we had to pivot and we then um, went online with our studio wow then so in that time period it was great we had lots of people in town looking after us bringing us things food whatever we needed awesome it was awesome and it was it was nice to do that 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 ice that isolation period that quarantine period in at home yes before the hotel thing had come in yes yeah um you know we're still allowed to go outside we're still allowed to go for a walk um, on our own um and then on my first day out of quarantine um, I went to my hairdresser, who's also a good friend of mine, and I was saying to her, you know, oh, my period's late, da da da, da all these things, and um, she's like, um, I think you're pregnant. <laughs> and it was actually interesting because I'd had this similar conversation the night before um, on Skype with my two besties, my two other besties. And one of them was also pregnant and I was like having that similar conversation and she's like, I'm pretty sure that you're pregnant. So I had my two besties Oh my gosh. and also then my other uh, really good best friend who's a hairdresser telling yeah. me maybe you should get a pregnancy test. So <laughs> after my hair appointment, because priorities yeah. <laughs> with my really nice hair, I went to the shops, I got a pregnancy test, I came home. I waited for like four hours because I was procrastinating. Yeah. I had not told Jordan any of what was going on. <laughs> I took the pregnancy test and um, I looked at it. It was negative, just one line. And then um, I looked away from it for a second, looked back at it, and there was a very, very faint line. Second oh, my line. Gosh. And I was like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> And then, yeah, that's basically what happened. Then I had to... Tell, show Jordan, tell Jordan. What was his response? <laughs> he was he was really like amazing about it because I was like kind of freaked out and yeah. he was just like it's okay and he's like let's like what can we do? Let's go to the shops. Let's go get a few more pregnancy tests and we'll just see what happens. And so we went to the shops together yeah. and um, yeah we got some more tests, but we had to like go to a faraway pharmacy because we know so many people yeah. in town. <laughs> then yes and then we went home and we did um the first test we actually did it wrong like I don't know it was a different uh-huh, type yeah. brand of one and so then we're like okay we've only got two more and then we did both of those ones and they're both positive so oh we're my like, goodness okay, pretty sure that we're having a baby wow yeah that's so exciting yeah. hey and so then we went exciting. from there obviously we went to the doctors and did all the proper yes. tests and things um but yeah so then that's when we realized and yeah, it was just a big surprise. Yeah, absolutely. So entering that time of your life, like with all your history and stuff like that, had you had much of an idea of how you wanted your pregnancy to go or your birth or did you know much about this whole world of midwifery or? No, yeah. definitely not. <laughs> I, um, and I still don't really. <laughs> I am a very um, under-researched person. Um, I don't, I still to this day have not read a pregnancy book. Wow. Um, I like to learn from people who I respect. Yes. um, And trust. 
So um, for me, and also I guess just being in that phase, like I don't think that you can really ever know exactly what is going to happen until you're there because I think like before I was pregnant, I was like, oh yeah, when I'm a mum, just, I'm just going to be like really chilled out or like when I'm pregnant, I'm just going to like make sure I keep exercising and eat really healthy and mm. or when I like when, you know, you think oh, I'm just going to be just a, you know, I'm going to let my baby do this or oh, my baby's definitely always going to sleep or just like these things that you think that you can control that when yeah. it comes to it, you can't. Absolutely. Um, and so, yeah, I was just very much like go with the flow. Like the main thing that I wanted was just to have, um, you know, just to to feel safe with like the team that was looking after me and yeah. um, doing my um, pregnancy through school. It was really good for that because I did have like a student midwife yeah she we really connected and she was amazing and um you know followed me up on everything and was very knowledgeable and helpful and kind and so that was like really good and then um we did one thing I did want to do once I found out I was pregnant was I wanted to do the like the hypnobirthing course mm. um, just because I wanted to have those tools in yeah. my belt for when that time came. Definitely. Um, so that was really good as well. Yeah. Really good just having like both sides. Definitely. Um, you know? Yeah. How did you hear about hypnobirthing? Um, like was it after you felt pregnant? Or? Yeah, it yeah. was after I felt pregnant and then a few people recommended it to me. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I just like looked it up and uh, one of our instructors was pregnant at the same time and she was going as well. Another friend was pregnant as well and she was going as well. And I was like, okay, I think I just want to do this. Yeah. It's like the one, like one piece, like one thing I did during my pregnancy that was like specifically seeking out information about yes. um, what was going to happen. And I really liked that it involved Jordan as well. Yes. Because it meant, you know, it could just get him on board and um yeah it brought on I think for me uh preparing for the birth like was really a little bit about cherry picking the things that I wanted to take on for me yeah understanding that what works for one person doesn't work for everyone Mm -hmm. um you know because when you fall pregnant and especially when you have a studio full of women um, yeah most of which you know 90% of which or maybe 80% of which have had babies or are having grandchildren now everyone wants to give their opinion yes, <laughs> yes. and it's so um comes from such a good place mm-hmm. you know because they found something worked for them that they want to pass on that information and it can get a bit overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, so I think for me it was just about taking, like, listening, taking yeah. in the information and then choosing what I wanted to move forward with or what I wanted to take on. Great call. Yeah. Great call. Awesome. So you did the hypnobirthing. Um, did you find – oh, actually, no, we'll get to that. Um, what else did you do in pregnancy to prepare? Did you do any, um, like, pregnancy Pilates or anything like that? Yeah, so I did a bit of um, pregnancy Pilates, um, which was really good just for me, even as a teacher, to, like, mm-hmm. understand more how certain things feel. Um, I did some pregnancy yoga as well, and, yeah. Just, awesome. Yeah, I didn't, like I said, I didn't do that much. I did um, I did have to get pretty strict with my eating because I did have um, gestational diabetes, Okay. Which I found um, out pretty late on. Um, and it was, I don't really know what they're called, but it was the type where you wake up with um, the high sugars. Mm. Um, yeah. So it, was, it wasn't really because of anything that I was eating. It wasn't something that was able to, I was able to control yeah. through exercise or food. Um, it was just a genetic thing. Um, yeah. And my mum never got tested for gestational diabetes, but just based on the size of all of us mm-hmm. kids, um, probably a high chance that she 
did have that. Interesting. Yeah, so um, that was something I had to be really intentional with. Yeah. Did you end up having to take metformin or...? Yeah, yeah. so I actually, um, because um, I'm, I was unorganised, <laughs> I only did my test, um, my test late, and yeah. so they only found out later that I had it. And so... By the time that it was getting treated, I had to um, have the needle. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, I had to needle myself. I can't remember oh. what it's called. It's my brain. Doesn't yeah, know like Ner- Nervorapid or Protophane or something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. The, the insulin in the needle. Yeah, the insulin. And then I had to have um, the metformin as well. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I had to have I a double, double whammy. How did you go doing that, cooking yourself every day? It was fine. Like, you think it's not easy, but honestly, like, you can't really feel it. Yeah. Especially if you get the right spot and you just have to kind of just yeah. do it really quickly. Yeah. Good yeah. on you. Good yeah. on you, badass. Cool. So then um, leading up to your due day and mat leave and all that sort of time, how did you go then? Yeah, it was good. Um, I, I pretty much worked right up until... Um, the day yeah (laughs) (laughs) actually it's actually funny because I um I'm from Africa and um at Christmas time often I help just fundraise some money to buy shoes for the kids like the orphans and um just coincidentally I had I had been doing that and I don't know why but like I raised a few thousand dollars like literally the night before and during my labor people were messaging me because I just like did the wrong timing so I was literally like working in a in a sense like (laughs) during your labor yeah during my labor it's like people messaging me like hey what's the bank details I want to donate some money for shoes I was like but I'm not a workaholic no no not at all (laughs) um but yeah I tried I mean I tried to chill out but I did do, um, um, what's it called when you get the needles? Acupuncture. Oh, yes, acupuncture, yeah. Yes, I did acupuncture and a few pregnancy massages and cool. um, things at my physio as well just to try and because we knew that um, I would need to be induced, mm-hmm. we obviously wanted to try to bring on, um, uh, bring, her, bring her naturally. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it didn't work. Yeah, fair <laughs> cool. <is> fair <laughs> cool. Yeah. So when did you get induced? What gestation were you? Um, so I was 38 weeks. 38? Oh, yeah. Okay, cool, yeah. cool, yeah. awesome. So I was I was due in to do it on 39 weeks um, because obviously they want to keep it as close to 40 weeks as possible. Yeah. Um, but when I went in for my scan on the Monday of um, week 38, um, they... Yeah, basically said, let's try to do it this week if we can. Wow. Um, and I was, as soon as I saw the scan, because I, I had learnt about the percentiles and stuff, yeah. her percentile of um, her shoulders and her tummy was like in the 98th percentile. Okay. So, yeah, they were just worried about her getting stuck, her shoulders yeah. and her, her like stomach getting stuck and then that leading to an emergency C-section. So yes. I just said... Well, if it's any, if my mum's anything to go by, she still had to be induced at 42 weeks for all of us. <laughs> That's interesting because yeah. it definitely is a genetic link between both your and your partner's mum to your birth. Yeah, That's interesting. absolutely. Um, so, yeah, so I was like, well, if it's anything to go by, I'm like, I'd mm-hmm. rather she just come out a bit smaller. Yeah. Um, and then lower that risk as well. Yeah. Um, of that emergency C-section because that can be obviously you know can be quite dangerous so yeah yeah, yeah. and harder recovery and things like that yeah. for sure cool so then you got to 38 weeks and you strolled on into hospital and got your induction how did you feel about that like how was the experience of having that induction yeah so the lead up to it so um when we were doing our um our hypnobirthing yeah I guess um they do like sort of try and steer you away from inductions which Mm -hmm. is fair enough um but I like 
I, I did, I was at a stage where I was like, oh no, I think this feels right. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jordan and I just had to discuss that because he was, his preference was for us to just wait for her to be ready to come out. But, um, yeah, we just based on like all the information, all the facts that we had from mm-hmm. the midwife, um, at the hospital, that was the decision that we made. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of liked it because when we did hypnobirthing, they were like preparing us for, you know, if you're in labor or you're having these contractions and like how you're going to walk through the hospital and like you might be like making loud noises and people are going to look at you. And yeah. <laughs> like just all these things. Like I guess that, that thing of like the unknown and not knowing because Jordan works um, through, he works in um, uh, social work and he mm-hmm. does sleepovers. So like yeah. there's times like where I was like, what if he's like out diving or he's at a sleepover or something and then, you know, just that unknown, not yeah. knowing, like, what's going to happen. So it was nice, kind of, that it was a bit more yeah. under control. Fair call. In that way. And, um, yeah, so it was a pretty, like, chilled experience, actually. We went to the hospital. Um, they put the balloons in. Yeah. Um, and then I was started to be in quite a lot of pain. Um, so I just had an endone. Yeah. Just knocked me out. Just had a really good night's sleep. <laughs> Probably the best sleep in a while. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, a, it's actually the best sleep I've had since um, having yeah. a baby. <laughs> I still reminisce on that sleep nine months yeah, ago. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and then in the morning they took us through. They um, burst the balloons. And then, yeah, they, they put the uh, special things in you know the um the fake um hormones yeah and yeah then it was all on I think it was a couple couple of hours not not very long and um started to feel the contractions Mm -hmm. and yeah then they they got hectic so um I think it was they break the waters at I think they broke them at like 7 Mm a.m then at between 10 a.m and 10.45, 10.45, I contracted from, I dilated, sorry, from three centimetres to seven centimetres. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that is wild, it isn't wild. it? Did you feel it? Like it was like a very intense stage, oh, that yes. 10 to 10.45? Yes, yeah. absolutely. And um, we were, you know, we were doing all of our special breathing. We were in the pool. We had our, uh, in the bar, sorry, we had our candles. We had our special music on awesome. and everything. And um, when we were in the bath, I was—I didn't really want the gas, but then I wanted the gas because I was yes. to be in quite a lot of pain. Yeah. And um, it's actually quite funny. The midwife forgot to turn the gas on, so oh. I was like sucking the gas, and I was like, "It's not working!" Oh my god! And she was like, "Okay, we'll turn it up a bit more. We'll turn it up a bit more." And then after like maybe seven times. Seven contractions. She's like, oh, I forgot to turn it off. Oh, my like, gosh. Oh, my Not gosh. Not to throw us under the bus, but that happens more often than what you would think, is that we turn forget to turn the bloody gas on. Yeah. <laughs> Jordan was like, well, she's not going to trust it now. Like, yeah. Um, but I did have it afterwards, and it did help a little bit. Um, but, yeah, then we went to um, – we went to uh, – just after that, I got out the, the – bath and we tried the shower and as you can imagine um I was in quite a lot of pain just from how quick everything was happening yes and um that that's when we got we I did ask for the epidural yeah um so the epidural was another big discussion that Jordan and I had um he was like quite adamant that he would prefer if I didn't have it yeah um and I obviously like I agreed with him but I also just said to him like if the time comes and I, 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 I don't want to be like told no in the yeah. moment when I'm the one kind of going through everything. Yeah. And, um, we just made an agreement that if I asked for it, um, in between contractions and a time mm-hmm. when I wasn't like in pain, mm-hmm. um, that, that he would, that would be fine. Yeah. And so we, that's what happened. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that was like probably the, the, the hardest part was just, you know, sitting still and in the right position for that. Definitely. Um, Because obviously that takes like 
an hour or 45 minutes something ages and just after um I had that maybe like 10 minutes later um Billy's heart rate started to increase Mm -hmm. um and um she yeah it was quite quite bad so they started to prepare me for a c-section and -hmm. so that went from like quite calm because it was just you know a couple of midwives and Jordan Mm -hmm. in the room to just a very very hectic room lots of midwives yeah um everyone was all of a sudden in scrubs they had like I remember they cut my like little bralette thing I was wearing off Ah, um you know to put the scrubs on me and um everyone was like yeah quite hectic I think one of the midwives freaked out a bit and um Jordan had to put my mask on my gas mask my oxygen mask thing on because she like couldn't remember how to do it oh my god I think she was just new and she just had to freak out yeah but um yeah I felt super calm there was like this doctor who came in and he was like this like very calm explaining to me what was happening yeah what was gonna happen you know how we were waiting how we were trying to just see if um her heart rate would stabilize Mm. um what the next steps were and things so that was Mm -hmm. really good and I like I said I had a I really trusted the team that we had um the midwife who looked after me who's um the head one of the heads of the departments um, in school she looked after me with my um gestational diabetes yeah Kay it would have been I think yeah Yeah. so Kay and I both come from Zimbabwe and we had a little like kind of bonded like we just really got along um in the morning I wanted some rooibos tea which is a African tea and so she actually they didn't have any at the hospital but she had some so she brought me in some it was just really really nice so I trusted her I knew that um the way that she communicated with me was really um a way that I liked because she's very um blunt and straight to the point yeah and yeah so we were halfway out the door and her heart stabilized great and so they they wheeled me back in wow <laughs> yeah and crazy um, yeah they just kept a very close eye on it yeah um, I wasn't actually aware but um Jordan said that so he for him out my birth story was the the birth was more traumatic for Jordan than it was for me because mm-hmm. he was looking at me in pain and then looking at what was going on on the screen because he knew how to read it all Mm. and um also he said when he went out into the hallway to get the scrubs on there was like flashing lights emergency lots of hectic things that he was just like it freaked him out and he just had to pull himself together um before he came back in the room and when I heard that story like after we had Billy and we were at home and the first time I heard him tell that story I cried yeah because I was just like oh my gosh like you went actually were like so scared yeah um but yeah anyway after that her so she just like wasn't like she was I think she was moving so much or like her heart rate wasn't really stable so it would always keep going up and down and so they were keeping such a close eye on it, but I didn't really realise because I was just, like, sleeping and tired and stuff. Yeah. But he was just sitting there, like, staring at Yeah, me staring at the screen. Next, yeah, you know. So I think that was, like, all happened around 11am. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, by 5pm, mm-hmm. um, Kay came in and she was like, yep, yeah, you're almost, like, 10 centimetres, so we're going to start pushing. So I was like, cool. And, yeah, so then started pushing, um, I think, I don't know how many pushes I did. I think it was, like, maybe only five or something. And then Billy was stuck. Yeah. (laughs) So then that was obviously becoming a problem because she was stuck. Yeah. And so then um, Kay actually managed to, like, move her shoulder. Yeah. um, A little bit. And then we were going to do the episiotomy. Episiotomy, yeah. Yeah, I can't, never say it. And (laughs) so, yeah, I was just like, yep, like whatever we need to do. And um, she put that 
the needle in to numb, yeah. numb it. And Even though you had the epidural? Ah, oh, interesting. Yeah, because I think by this time it was like, well, I could feel like one side more than I could feel the other side. Right. And like, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. She was just being cautious she was that. That's cautious. a good call. Yeah. yeah. Um, so she, yeah, she put that in and um, then she was like, okay, you've got one more go at this. Um, and so otherwise we're going to need. So there was like, then, then Billy's heart rate started to drop. Mm. so then they were like okay we need to get this baby out like she's her heart rate's starting to drop mm-hmm. and so then um i just knew i was like oh no she's coming it's all good and so as a result of just like that last chance to push and then i think the needle as well just like that little bit of extra extra relaxing yeah yeah she just came out amazing <laughs> and she just pushed her out yeah Legend. Okay, so let's rewind. You okay? So back to the start when you first started contracting. What yep. were the techniques you found helped you the most through the contractions, like the hypnobirth techniques? Um, so definitely just like the breathing. Yeah. Um, so just instead of like panicking, just like coming back to mm-hmm. the breathing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think I can't remember. Like I remember there was four breathing techniques, specific breathing techniques for different stages of birth. Yeah. Um, I can't remember what they were called, but um, yeah, the, whichever one I was meant to be doing at that time. Yes. Um, and then um, also just like going into the the bath was really nice for me. Awesome. Um, yeah. And and yeah, I think that that was like the main things, but just like. Keeping calm, I think having a calm room, um, kind of, yeah, just being, just surrendering and just being like, well, whatever's going to happen today is going to happen. Yeah. Going to have a baby at the end of it and let's just do it and not be stressed about it. That's exactly it. That's, um, that surrendering is the hardest thing, isn't it? For a lot of us. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Okay. And then that moment... So getting from zero to seven centimeters and then that was that point that it was super intense and you asked for the epidural and you got that in within an hour or so. Um, and then was it soon after that that the heart rate started dropping or was it a while after, do you think? Um, no, so it was pretty soon after that. Yeah. Um, so, but they don't know why. Yeah. They don't know why that that happened. Did your heart, your um, blood pressure drop at all that you know of with the epidural? No, I don't no, think so. interesting. Because sometimes it can just be like, just the moving around, her little cord can get under her head and sometimes that, that cord yep. compression with the contractions can... But I think it was her, I'm pretty sure that at that point, so that point after the epidural, it was her, her heart rate was not dropping, it was... Really uh, it was rising. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, that's a bit different. Yeah. That's a bit different. How did you feel in that moment when you thought it was going to be an epidural and, you know, they were getting, I mean, sorry, a cesarean yeah. and they were getting you all ready for that? How did you, like, how did you stay calm? That's such a hectic scenario. Um, I don't know. I just felt calm. Like, I just felt like, I felt like I'd done everything like I felt comfortable with what I'd done to prepare yeah and I just felt like well if that's what's going to happen that's what's going to happen yeah um and yeah it just happened it to is what it like is. what's the like for me I just was like well, what's the point in freaking out about it because yes there's nothing like you're in a hospital they know kind of what they're doing yeah um so like you just have to trust that that's some great fucking insight right there like in the moment like yeah. you could see how you would run away with thought in your mind and have a freak out and whatever and even though like that's not going to achieve anything and our logical minds can think that but um in the moment it's so hard to really embody that isn't it good on yeah. you yeah it's actually interesting because i think that out of all fears I think childbirth was like something I've always, I've been scared about since I was young like yeah since I can remember yeah it's just been like I've never been afraid of speaking publicly I've never been afraid of you know there's other things that yeah. people are afraid of but childbirth was just like something that yeah really straight like overwhelmed me thinking about yeah yeah. So it's yeah. just yeah, interesting that in that moment I was just yeah, I was just so calm. Like I was just like 
That is interesting, yeah, isn't but it? Like just do just do what you need to do, like yeah. Yeah. How good, how good, good on you. Okay, cool. And then how did you feel about pushing with an epidural? Because that can be a really hard thing to explain to someone to do, especially seeing as I haven't done it, not having a baby. Like, do you have any tips about how to do that? Or I think that part of... Okay, so I remember one thing Kay said to me was, um, while you're pushing, you sh- it shouldn't be like when you're pushing to do like a poo. Like, you shouldn't have that scrunched up face, or that scrunched up look on your face. That means okay. that you're, you're pushing wrong. Okay. So that was one thing. Okay. Um, and then she was saying, push down, like into the bed. So push down through your belly, through your like lower back into yes. the bed. Interesting. And that really helped as well. Um, but I do, I do like honestly believe that um, part of the reason that I was probably able to do that as well is just because I do have an understanding of the pelvic floor. Yes. And I do have, like, I am connected to my body. So yes. even though I couldn't necessarily feel, yeah. um, like, you know, because I was numb, yeah. I could I, I could talk to my body in that way. Absolutely. And, like, and with those visualizations, think about, yes. you know, what I was doing and have that control, which I think was yeah. really good. That's really interesting that you say that. It's so true because, like, a lot of us, um, you know, don't do our pelvic floor exercises, especially before having a baby. So you never develop that neuromuscular connection of thinking contract pelvic floor and your pelvic floor contracting. Because that obviously, as repetition happens, that can happen a lot easier because that um, neuron pathway is created in your brain. But then if you've not done that before, plus you can't feel down there, Um, so you're not getting like the intu- intu- intuitive pushing, yeah. then you just feel like really disconnected from it. So that's so true. That's actually a really good call to get mamas to do that in pregnancy for that intention as well. If they do get the epidural, they have more of that um, ability to push. Yeah. And I think I remember actually now that I'm thinking about it, the breathing as well. So when you're, when you are giving birth, what is it? You breathe in. Your in is your push, right? No. No, your in is it's your like relax. It's opposite to... Yes, that's yeah. right. So it's like your opposite to what you would do in like Pilates or something. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, just using that breath as well. I think our breath is like so... Yeah. Like useful and yeah. it's just like epic. So powerful, yeah. Hey? yeah. Yeah, so true, so true. Um, great. So then you had bugs. And she came out, did she come up skin to skin? Was she all good, in good condition and everything? Yeah, so she came out, she was skin to skin. Um, they did have to, um, because I think because of her heart rate dropping at the end, mm-hmm. um, they had to, they left the umbilical cord as long as they could, mm-hmm. but they had to chop it like yeah. early. Um, so Jordan chopped it. Cool. And... Um, how did he feel about that? It's yeah, always weird, isn't it? He was fine, but he was like, he made a joke. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's just as his back, you know. Um, you better take them now, otherwise I'm, I'm going to take them home with me as a memorabilia. Yeah. They, were like, they were like, oh, you can have them. We literally throw away Fair every enough. pair of scissors. And we were just like, oh, so much like, you throw away every pair of scissors. Like, yes. Oh, my gosh. We like, throw everything away. It's, it's crazy. crazy. Because those scissors are so sharp. Yeah. And not only that, but, like, I just think of, like, Jordan's from Fiji. I'm from Africa. Like, the resources that they have in those countries. Yes. And then we're just here, like, throwing away every pe- pair of scissors. Like, Into dirt. Yeah. Yeah. It's hectic. It's crazy. It is crazy. Mm. Yeah. Okay, cool. And um, so she stayed skin to skin with you. And how was that moment? How was that, like, just after a long haul, after a pregnancy, and then she's finally there, and you're just like, what the fuck? I had a baby. I know. It was pretty It was pretty surreal. Like, everyone in the room was crying. Cute. Um, because we had been through so much together. Like, with the midwife who started at lunchtime, mm-hmm. she was there for, like, the first, um, like, the first almost c-section mm. and then so she was there like and then our student midwife was had been there the whole time as well and then jordan so like and then Kay had been there all throughout the day as well so it was just like it was very um yeah definitely like just very emotional yeah time like everyone was just crying and it was just it was really special like Huge. it was really 
really nice, but yeah, it was surreal. Amazing. And obviously, she's like there, and then yeah, they were trying to like teach me how to feed her. Yeah. And stuff like that. How did that go? Did she do a little breast crawl or? No, she, well, she, no, no, she didn't do the breast crawl, though. I have seen yeah. the video of that. It's really cool. They're so funny. Um, but, yeah, we just put her, like, straight up there, like, and um, yeah. she didn't, like, latch or anything straight away. They were just, like, trying to teach me how to, like, hold my boob and, yeah. you know, help her and things like that. Yeah. yeah. How was um, feeding for you? How did you go with it? Yeah, I was, I was pretty lucky. I didn't have... Um, really any issues amazing um yeah so like before um before she was born I tried to do the um colostrum mm-hmm. and I found that really difficult I didn't collect any yeah um and so I was like a little bit worried about it just because obviously I had the um GD and mm-hmm. I wanted to make sure that I had something for her yeah um but yeah just started she was like just started to come yeah away once she was born so good yeah so um I remember like the first night in the hospital um I just had like cushions and I just she she didn't really want to sleep on her own which is obviously the midwife just said like she's literally just been like cocooned yeah you know, like she just wants to be she thinks she's still connected to you so she yeah. doesn't want to be put in a thing and put over there yeah um but yeah I just slept with her I just slept sort of sitting up in the hospital but it was yeah. like cushions to hold yeah <laughs> to hold her there yeah and, yeah, just perfect. Breastfed away. Yeah, legend. Yeah. Good on you. Are you still feeding? Yeah. Oh, good yeah. on you. Yeah. Good on you. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. How much is she feeding now? Just like a couple times a day or frequently? Um, so she does. So we recently just went through like some sleep training, and so just making mm-hmm. sure she gets enough food. So she um, feeds at six a.m. when she wakes up. Yeah. And then she feeds at eight fifteen before she has her first nap. Yeah. Then she has like a little snack. Um, of milk like just however much she wants at 10 a.m when she wakes up yeah and then she feeds again at 1 15 yeah before she goes to sleep three like a little snack yeah and then at 6 15 before she goes to sleep so she still wow. feeds quite a lot but yeah um can get away with just doing the four a day which is like the one so when she wakes up just before she goes to morning nap just before lunchtime nap and just before bedtime yes awesome good on you well done yeah well done so how did you go in that transition to postnatal phase being a mom um did you get any baby blues with the hormones or anything like that um no so it's actually interesting because when I was younger and I I was diagnosed with depression and I remember the um, the the practitioner said, "Oh, you know, you just need to be wary when you get pregnant, mm-hmm. and like afterwards, you're you're pretty prone to postnatal depression." Mm-hmm. When I was pregnant, um, I had like the hospital gives you like free sessions with mm-hmm. the um, counselor, and he was just like, "Oh no, you're so good, <laughs> you're so yeah. fine." Like, <laughs> and then yeah, I didn't get any, I didn't get any baby blues. Awesome. Um, so, you know, I know some people get it like a few days, four days after or, yeah. or something like that. But, yeah. yeah, I didn't have any of that. John and I, we actually um, checked ourselves out of the hospital. Yeah. The they wanted us to stay extra days, but she was fine. She was healthy. Yeah. We did a happy dance when she did her first poo. Yeah. And, um, yeah, we just wanted to go home and settle in at home. Oh, good on you. Yeah. I didn't realize that. Yeah. yeah. So we went home <laughs> the very next day. Wow. Um, and and her sugars had been fine. And yeah, everything. her sugars had been fine yeah. all day. Like as good soon as you. yeah, it was all good. Um, and yeah, then we came home. We didn't have yeah, didn't have any baby blues. I think like probably over the past nine months, and probably in the last couple of months, dare I say, like him and I probably both had our a little bit, maybe a little bit of like postnatal depression. Just yeah. now that we're settled in and like kind of growing like accustomed to like this is what life is now and things like that and like yeah figuring that work that out because I think when what I've never heard anyone say is that when you have a baby like when you're when you don't have a baby you can be so selfish and like there's nothing wrong with that but your life is your own your time is your own everything is your own and maybe you 
fit someone like when you get a partner maybe you fit that person into your life mm-hmm. in the ways that suits you both mm-hmm. but when you have a baby like you have no choice like yeah. this is what's happening this is it and um you just can't like there's just no option yeah to be selfish in that way yeah um and I don't want this to sound sexist or anything but like there is that option for the father mm-hmm. um there isn't like for the mother because mm-hmm. your baby needs you mm-hmm. specifically so much mm-hmm. um but I think that just in general as a couple like your life is different it's yeah. changed and you just have to like adjust yeah and especially as they get bigger because when they're first born um you know they're more it's easier to take them places they're sleeping a lot yeah you know you can just like yeah take them and put them to sleep there or take them to a cafe to sleep in the pram or whatever then as they get bigger it's like no i want to be crawling all over you but i don't want you to hold me yeah i don't want to be still but i want to be crawling but i don't want to be crawling on the floor i want to be like crawling on you falling over like you know it's just like yeah. yeah, and I want your eyes on me all the time. The second you do something else, yeah, yeah exactly. I'm gonna be off you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think it's like I think that for us that that like that postnatal depression mm-hmm. thing has probably hit a little bit in the last few months mm-hmm. here and there. Nothing too hectic, but yeah. I think just that realization, like, okay, wait, we can't. So, like, we've been invited to do that. Well, we actually can't do that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's just, like, it's not an option. Yeah. And. Yeah. Yeah, that's just the reality of it. It's, um, that's a really interesting point. Like, and I guess it's, like, anything. Initially, you could take anything for a few months. You get a a new baby, and it's so exciting, and they're so cute, and you're just kind of lost in the big whirlwind of being a new mom, and then it kind of, time catches up with you, and you're like, gosh, it's been about four months, and I you know, only see my girlfriends twice or whatever. And then you're like, um, yeah, it just all catches up with you and you come more around to that realization, like this is our life for the next however many years. And mm-hmm. yeah, that's actually probably a lot more common than what we think. Yeah. No one talks about it though. I, yeah. I don't know. I haven't heard that before. Yeah. Of you. No, I just feel like it's like, it, it's something that happens, but we don't articulate it or people are too scared to say, yeah. Oh, I can't be selfish anymore. Cause they just yeah. like negatively think of the word selfish, but yeah, as in I never could have been selfish. That's yeah, a bad thing. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. I think it's just like it's it's not. It doesn't have to be a negative thing. It's just no. like yeah. I think it's more just like your time isn't your own. Yes, yeah. it's just the reality you of it. To work yeah. around this, yeah, this baby. Like you yeah. not just lock them in the room and go, no. go out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, know? exactly, exactly. How would you say your transition, like? You, you own a business, you run your studio, and then you have a new app release as well for Pilates and wellness in general. So how have you found that transition from being a businesswoman to still a businesswoman but all with a baby? Um, it's, oh, it's so hard. Like, it's There's definitely been times where I'm like, oh, it would have been nice if I'd just like, been working for somebody and just like taken my four months off and just like not had to think about it Mm -hmm. Um, but then I also just think about the flexibility that having a business gives me now like nine months on and I can kind of work my work around Mm -hmm. my baby and like spend quality time with her or Mm -hmm. you know Jordan and I were just saying like we've been went to the beach yesterday in the middle of the day and the day before we were like out on the boat and I'm like you know we couldn't couldn't have done that otherwise yes Um, and that's really cool but um I think that it is definitely hard balancing business and a baby. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's some choices that you have to make. Like, for example, we've been thinking about putting Billy into family daycare, mm-hmm. which would be awesome because I'll be able to have just one day a week, just have that yes. time. But then a part of me is like, I don't want to, I don't want to because mm-hmm. I've got you know I don't know I've got the flexibility to not have to do that Mm. but if I was like working for someone else it's like I would have known that at four months or five months that that's Mm -hmm. what's happening yeah so it's like there is other decisions that makes it harder to like yeah have a balance yeah Um, but I I feel pretty lucky because a lot of people um are like oh 
you know, you don't see an adult for months on end and things like that, which yeah. is just not the case for me. Like I, yeah, yeah, see everyone at the studio. I've been coming to classes since six weeks after Billy was born. Yeah, you know, and connecting with people and yeah, having that community around me. So I think yeah. that that's definitely helped with mm. having that balance. And then the other thing is that we um, have got we before. I had Billy, we hired a full-time manager. Yes. Um, I think a month before she was due. Mm-hmm. So that meant that I knew that everything was taken care of mm-hmm. um, in that aspect. So that's helped balancing yeah. really well. And um, it's helped my creative juices um, flow, which yeah. has then obviously um, ended up with the app being released. Yeah. Um, so you know like yeah just yeah just you just got to do what feels best for you and yeah that's felt that felt good for me like I felt so much energy um and passion and motivation yeah to expand the business in that way that was also in line with like what's happening mm-hmm. in the world right now and having online classes and things accessible yeah so yeah exactly 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 that's awesome. Something that I think was so great that you do, I really admire that you do, and I think it's something that maybe some other mamas need to take on, is the fact that you have very well kept um, your own, um, like, what am I trying to say? Like, your own self. Like, you're still Abby. You're still doing your own things. You're still an individual. You're not um, now transitioned that you've had a baby, that that's all you are, is that you're a mum. You've still got all your other good stuff going for you. Mm-hmm. How have you found keeping that um, independent self? Like, how was the best way to do that, do you think? Um, well, I think for me it's definitely, like, being very intentional mm-hmm. um, because I have heard of people speaking of, like, when they had babies and then they, like, lost themselves and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I suppose having my own business and passions has helped that. And then Mm -hmm. just having the support of Jordan as well um, has helped me be able to have that as well. Mm. Um, I guess for people, like, it just depends, like, where you're at. But I do think, I do think it's very important. And, um, you know, even with my friends and things, just, like, staying connected Um, I haven't just gone and had a baby and just, like, ditched them and just only gone to, like, mum's groups and things like that. Yeah. Um, I've stayed really connected with all of my friends and all of them are really, like, open and happy for Billy to be there. Yeah. Um, And, yeah, I think just, like... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what Mm. the good tips is there, but I I think it's important. Yeah, and I think that if you're passionate about something, if you have something that you're passionate about, mm-hmm. you know that there's no better time than to explore it or look into it. And you know, I do think it is important to have something else other than just, I'm not just, but other than being a mum, because I think that when sometimes I've seen when that happens, people become so obsessed with doing a really good job at being a mum and they mm. become overwhelmed they become like so judgmental of themselves yeah. oh, I didn't feed my baby this good food like yeah. whatever you know it's like pack a certain yeah. stuff in their lunchbox and that sort yeah. of stuff and yeah. they feel like alone they feel like maybe they see their partner going to work and having their life at work or mm-hmm. having their outside stuff and they don't have anything mm-hmm. um either than just being at home with the baby and mm. with the kids. And, yeah, I think I definitely think it's just important to just give yourself some time. That's something I'm working on as well. I'm trying mm. to, like, be a little bit more intentional, even with just, like, getting my nails done every now and then, getting yeah. my hair done every now and then, buying, like, some nicer clothes. Yeah. You know, because this is my body now. Yeah. Let's just have nice clothes until it's different yeah um you know even taking time like when your baby's napping even like a 10 minute like meditation yeah or you know a 10 minute pilates at home or yoga at home um and you know just fitting in where you can yeah 
just something that's for you. Yeah. I think that that can do a world of a world of good. Definitely. For, yeah, someone who's a new mum. Definitely. And as you say, it's even just those couple of minutes. Like, even if the baby's resting, even if it's on you and it's fallen asleep, just take those couple of minutes to get off your phone and, and be exactly. quiet. Exactly. That's bit. what I was going to say because so many mums, and I've even caught myself doing this, is like the minute yeah. Billy's asleep, I'm like, on oh, my phone, mindlessly scrolling. And then she yeah. wakes up and I'm like... I don't even feel rested. In fact, I feel more tired because I've just been looking at crap. Yeah, exactly. You know? Exactly. And it's like, no, just take that time just to yeah. close your eyes for 10 minutes and, and put on some, like, nice music that you love or yeah. or anything like that, you know? 100%. 100%. Great point. Great point. Um, beautiful. Did you want to share a bit about your studio, where you are, and about your app for people out there who might be interested? To. Um, so, um, I'm, we're based on the Sunshine Coast. We've got a studio called Inflow Pilates and Wellness, and we've mm-hmm. got Reformer Pilates, Mat Work Pilates, Yoga, and um, Bar classes. Cool. And then we've also got, we do have Mums and Bubs Reformer classes. We've got Crash, and we've also got Pre and Postnatal Yoga. Yeah. Run by myself. Truly. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and then our app, basically. So the app is something I dreamed up, which was my idea for a space was to have a hub with everything in it. Mm-hmm. And given the times with COVID and things, um, you know, this was a way for me to do that virtually. So mm-hmm. basically the app is got, you know, healthy recipes, so nutrition, it's got Pilates classes, it's got yoga classes, it's mm-hmm. got um, informational um, set sections. So, um, for example, um, prenatal information with a physio and mm-hmm. with yourself, a midwife, mm-hmm. um, just little short snippets. Um, it's got... It's going to have, you know, a growth segment on it, so, like, personal development stuff as well. Right. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of just the idea is, is is it's a little hub of information and mm-hmm. it is for everybody, but it, there is a... Because of the season I'm going through right now, there's definitely a focus on pre- and postnatal in there awesome. as well and specific programming for that so that people can just do that. And it's, you know, it's usually just 10, 15 minutes a day. Yeah. And it's just like, get your body moving. So good. Do it with your baby beside you if you need to, and you'll kind of feel better for it. Yeah, perfect. So it's kind of like a subscription, and, and people can choose like a seven-day um, schedule or a 30-day schedule. Is that how that works? Yeah, so basically it is a, it's an app. So it's a, on a subscription you can purchase for the year or per month. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, you choose – there's different programs in there. So once you subscribe, then you've got access to the whole app. Mm-hmm. And there's certain programs in there. So there might be a prenatal or postnatal, um, and it might be, like, 28 days or 30 days or right. or seven days or whatever it is. Cool. And um, you just click that, and then it'll come up with, like, sort of a calendar day, and it tells you this is your class you're doing today. These yeah. are your breakfast options, lunch options, and options, snack oh, options. Oh, great. Um, yeah, and then, like, for the informational ones, you know, there might be – you might on one day have just, like – to watch that video yeah. you might have a video and a little class to do and yes yeah, so it's mm. kind, of, kind of just guides you it's, it's meant to be super easy to use awesome oh that's so cool great and your instagram you have yes so um the instagram for the app is inflowactive yeah um so i-n-f-l-o-w active a-c-t-i-v-e yeah um, and then the studio is um, in Flow Pilates and Wellness. I'm not even going to attempt to yeah. spot that all out. Um, yeah, so that's yeah, where you can find um, find oh those goodness. two little things. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast, Abs. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Absolute pleasure. And that's a wrap to Abby's birth story. I really hope you enjoyed. I know I definitely did. My biggest takeaway I'd probably say was, as I said at the start of the episode, is to run your own race, set your own 
expectations, set your own stereotypes, set your own standards as to what you want to do in your birth and not following one particular thing. You know, if you want to do hypnobirthing, do that. If you want to do calm birth, do that. However, you can modify different parts of the course and the way you want to birth that you want to do. You can birth in whichever way you want, however you want, and you don't have to stick to one structure. So just always remember that. Amazing. And as always, hit us a follow, leave a review. I really love these conversations. Thank you so much for tuning in and I will talk to you next month. Have an epic day.